Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonsky. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I am your host, Miranda Dekonsky, and today I am super excited to be joined by Amir Jandali. Amir, thank you so much for joining me today. I This is our first time ever meeting, so I'm so pumped and excited to hear all about you. But for those that don't know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Amazing. Thank you, Miranda. Happy good morning. Hello, everybody that's listening. Um, it's a wonderful morning. I'm coming to you from Brooklyn, from Crown Heights, in my uh, northwest facing window, clear blue sky. And had my coffee already today, and it is very nice. Um, I'm originally from New Mexico. My Both my parents are from Syria, so I'm first-generation Arab-American. Um, and, you know, we synthesize our bios a lot. Like, I'm sure you can relate to sort of different things. And I kind of... Um, one thing that came out once I was typing it was that I'm a man that's constantly thinking about the future in the present. Yeah, yeah. And th- I mean, and that kind of... It is very fitting because you are the CEO and founder of Future Meets Present. Can you tell yeah. us what that is? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Future Meets Present. It actually kind of um, originally just started out as uh, as a hashtag. Um, I, I just remember walking through Times Square once and seeing a commercial for... I don't know if you've ever seen these um, Adidas shoes that are made out of ocean plastic. I think so. I think so. Yeah, so it's fascinating. Th- they're called the, uh, they're, it's parlay for the oceans shoes. And I just remember seeing those shoes and just, it just kind of occurred to me that, oh, in the future, everything's going to be made out of recycled materials. Yeah. And then, and then it just dropped in my head that, ah, this is what it looks like when the future meets present. Yeah. That's clever. And so what do you do? What does future so, presence do? As an, as an idea, it's, that's the idea. And then as a company, we're a design studio. Okay. Okay. I was, I was doing a lot of research on you and you're a very fascinating person. Um, so I'm, I won't lie. I was so excited yesterday thinking about getting to talk to you. So you have invented like this bag bracelet. Is that, mm-hmm. or a bandana? Is it a bracelet? Is it a bandana? Yeah. It's, it's funny. Your, your inquiry is actually pretty accurate because it is in the middle of an identity uh, evolution, if you will. Um, I can show you. And so for the listeners, what you can imagine is something that looks like the skinny part of a tie that's about the width, uh, the length of a bandana. And you can wrap it around your head or you can wrap it around your wrist. And then there's a small window towards the end of the skinny part of the tie where you have two small pull tabs. And then you can pull the tabs, slide the tube down, and then out comes a reusable shopping bag. You can kind of hear the sound of the nylon, right? Yeah. And then you go like this, and then you pull it back in. So you pull the two tails, and then the bag just seamlessly swishes back into the container. And this is the moment where the cashier's eyebrows are uh, profoundly raised yeah, at, the, at yeah. the corner store. <laughs> yeah. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I haven't mm. been here my entire life. I grew up in rural Michigan. And I, I can't remember. I think it was like maybe 10 years ago here. Um, we got rid of plastic bags 
Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember going to our local Safeway, having to bring in my own bags or purchase you know what? Yeah. bags for like 10 cents or something like that. Uh, so it, it was a huge shift, but here's the interesting thing it's in a lot of areas, they still, we still don't, you know, we, they, they still give out plastic bags at the grocery mm-hmm. stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember growing up, we had a bag filled with plastic bags because we would use those bags as like garbage can liners, but we never realized that they actually make a pretty significant impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. You just right. don't think about that. Right. And I I actually just took a quick aside just to double check because, yeah, California was the first state to enact legislation imposing a statewide ban. And I think San Francisco was the first city. Um, I'm not seeing that real quick on Google. Y'all can fact check that. But yeah, it started early where you are. Yes. Well, I... I'm so fascinated by everything that you're doing, but I want to talk about your journey that got you to here. So I heard that you were a DJ. You've done some really interesting like stunts along the way to raise money, like waxing your chest, uh, (laughs) like in front of actual. Yeah. Can you tell me all about those types of things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a good place to start the context. Yeah. Thank you for that, for the, for the digging. That's hilarious. I wonder if you happen to come across the videos of that because there is proof on the internet of that painful evening. Um, that nightlife was a big part of my life, I guess, in 2008, nine, I graduated um, college in 2010. And then the weekend after my last final exam was the weekend that I opened for LMFAO. Oh, I don't know okay. if you remember they... Yeah, LMFAO, they did Party Rock Anthem. They did yeah. like all these big DJs back then. They're the ones that did that um, party in the house tonight that, yeah, I'm not going to say. Yeah, it, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got glimpse. That's it. Yeah. And they were big at the time and I got a chance to open for them. Wow. And so that launched this DJ career that I didn't see quite coming in that form. So um, it ended up launching this career that lasted for about four years. And it was great. And then amidst that time is when the war started in Syria, which is where my parents are from. Yeah. I spent every summer growing up in Syria. I was born in New Mexico, like I mentioned, but I spent my summers there. And the war started. And um, I mean, just like any, maybe like a lot of us feel now with Ukraine, Russia, it's like, it's like really easy to just feel a little bit helpless. Like, how do, what do I do? How do I get involved? Now there's a lot more activism around that. But in, around 2010, it was just like, what the hell do we do? So um, I had a radio show at the time. And it was called Stuff You Don't Hear on the Radio. And I would talk about the humanitarian crisis in Syria. And anytime I would DJ a big show, I would wear a t-shirt that said, Free Syria, damn it. Yeah. Any opportunity to just signal boost that, that's what I felt my role was. And one of the earlier stunts, to use your word, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very Syrian. So I have a very uh, burly chest, if you will. <laughs> And one of my friends just jokingly said like, yo, you could probably raise a lot of money if you, if you like shaved your chest or waxed it or something, you know, 40 year old virgin style. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that. We raised uh, $2,000 in one night and it was gone. gone. (laughs) I haven't seen the video. I'm going to have to go find it. Challenge accepted. Sure. I'm going to find it. Um, How painful was that? (laughs) It was awful. Yeah. It was so bad. I had to kind of sit like with my shoulders shrugged so that my shirt wouldn't touch my chest because my just chest was so raw like it hurt so bad but it was great it was so fun and you know it did its job 
Well, first I have to share something that my husband's going to kill me, but what the hell, what the hell, you know, (laughs) if you can't embarrass your spouse every once in a while, what's life anyway. Um, So we were going to Hawaii a few years ago and he's, he's Italian and he is Mm, (laughs) very Italian, very Italian and very hairy. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of having to do the daily upkeep on the back, I'll just leave it there. I asked him if he'd mind getting waxed. And he said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Took him to my local salon to get waxed. And the girl was so just blown away. She's like, (laughs) take pictures, like before pictures. (laughs) Oh, no. Portfolio. (laughs) And he said it was just terrible. It it was supposed to be like a 30-minute appointment. He was in there for an hour. Oh, my God. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah. Bless, bless. I can absolutely relate. Yes. So uh, I'm sure that, you know, the raising awareness about the Syrian war and all of that, that, um, that probably went far. What else have you done in that regard? Is that something or a cause that you've championed, you know, for a long time? Yeah, it was for those first few years. And it was, um, it was interesting to see how any, uh, my my DJ following or just any sort of community that was built around that was able to translate into activism. I I never quite saw myself as an activist. I just always really liked people. Um, And so I just remember it just kind of came to me one day that I should organize some sort of a, a march or a walk. And I did it on my birthday of 2011, I think. It was right around there. And it was just this thing like, hey, let's all meet up in the mall mall parking lot. It's called the Walk for Freedom. Bring signs for causes that you want to raise awareness for. Um, And we had the local radio station follow us and like broadcasting live saying like, hey, if you guys are driving down Telshore and you see 100 people, give us a honk, show us support. And so we did two years of that and it grew. So there were things like that that would happen often. um, And it was wonderful. And I think it kind of created the conditions for what would become the trajectory of, uh, which I'm sure we're going to get to this question, which is how it sort of um, evolved into environmentalism. That activism and using my platform to raise awareness was that soil. Yeah. And, and, and then there was the seed that was in there that I didn't realize was going to crack the, this, this night that I watched this documentary about plastic bags to bring our, our topic full circle, right? Yes. And it was this documentary about plastic bags and it was like three o'clock in the morning after I had just gotten back from the club and I just wanted to chill out. Netflix was brand new and I just wanted to watch something semi-mindless, semi-informative. So I watched this documentary about the life cycle of plastic bags and I didn't know what that term meant. I just thought that it was going to be like an artistic someone following a plastic bag around for a lifetime or something. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know. Let's see where that goes. Started learning about single-use plastics. And the clarity of, or the absurdity rather, of what that definition means. Using a resource that's finite to manufacture something that's designed to be used once that once thrown away will stay around forever. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. So yeah, mind blown. Um, I know this doesn't make for good podcasts when I'm staring up at the the ceiling, like. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it felt, right? Right, 
Right. And I haven't seen that documentary. I wonder if it's still out there. I'll have to see. Um, yeah. Well, so it's called Bag It. And I don't, think, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but it's on YouTube. And I, I would recommend that just because it's, um, it's just a very approachable documentary. Um, it follows a man whose wife is pregnant. And he's just suddenly aware of what are all the things that could affect my baby. Yeah. And it's yeah. that journey and he discovers plastics and all that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a really nice segue into that whole world. I am a big documentary, memoir, biography, autobiography. That's pretty much all I read. Uh, all I watch, um, I'm, I, gosh, I sound kind of boring, but it is fascinating. So I'll totally look it up. Um, on that same vein, if you had any moments from your childhood that you think mapped you to take the path that you've taken? Yeah, I love this question a lot. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's funny like how Steve Jobs says that the dots connect backwards. I think it was Steve Jobs said that. But you don't realize those those formative days until kind of later where their qualities show up. But we in Las Cruces, where I was born, my family owned an Italian restaurant. Okay. And I think there were a lot of qualities about being raised there um, that led me to become um, just a generally very open person and the type of person that doesn't really see strangers, quote unquote, because I just remember um, our employees were like our family. And, you know, I would always just remember my dad walking around, checking on people, making sure they're good, make sure everyone needed anything. If somebody ever needed an advance in their check or extra days of work, that kind of thing. My dad would always do his best to accommodate. And then I remember my mom walking around front of house, going from table to table, sitting down with, with, with Barbara that's on her lunch break from Dillard's, having her spaghetti and meatballs, catching up on Dillard's gossip, you know, like yeah, yeah. all that sort of thing. And it just became normal for me to just treat everybody like family. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will tell you when we first hopped on zoom, I didn't know what this was going to be like, but I immediately felt comfortable with you. Oh so gosh. for what it's worth, um, you know, you've achieved that. <laughs> so for what Thank it's you. worth, if you could uh, give your 18 year old self any advice now, knowing everything that you know, what would you, uh, what would you say? Oh, man, I love that so much. Cause I can see him. I can see him and I can see him in photos of him and I can see him in the mirror and I love him. And he's, he has the biggest pupils, biggest eyes, biggest dreams. And something about him believes that they're possible. And I would tell him that they are. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's lovely. I love that. And then kind of go in the other direction. Let's just say a hundred years from now, folks are reminiscing about you and, sure. you know, your legacy. What would you want them to remember you for? The legacy... I look up to, in addition to my family members and my dad and all the risks and crazy stories and twists and turns he's been through and been able to get to where he is now, um, I look up to uh, a more social cultural figure, which is uh, Carl Sagan. Okay. And he was uh, one of the most just heartwarming and uh, approachable to use that word again, uh, cosmologists and astrologists. He designed 
the um, he was one of the lead uh, he's one of the leads on the projects that launched Voyager spacecrafts. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Voyager spacecrafts. No, I have. I I'm going to be honest. No, <laughs> so, it's it's cool. I'm going to be googling this like after we're done here. They're cool engineering feats because they're the two satellites that have traveled farthest in space than anything else ever before them. They've exited the solar system. Actually, you know what? Now that you add that context, yes. Sure. So yeah, cool projects. And 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 Carl Sagan, he was uh, just, the way he spoke about space and the way he spoke about possibilities was just so poetic and romantic. And it would just invite kids into um, not being overwhelmed or or bored by astrology or cosmology, but just super inspired by it. So I think there's qualities there that I want to be remembered for in, in the context of sustainability. Yeah. I want to be remembered for, as someone that painted a picture of what's possible and did everything in their entire entity of being to bring that possibility to fruition. I love that. I really love that. And I, I, I know that um, this wasn't on the list of things I could potentially ask you, <laughs> sure. but I'm so curious, what are your, what was some of your favorite memories of spending time in Syria as a child? Sure. Um, I'm fascinated with the region. I've, you know, I'm, I, so I've shared a little bit about my background with you, but I, I have never been out of North America and I'm in my 40s and it's happening this year, but I was a single mom and grew up in poverty. And then I spent the last 11 years building tech startups. There's no time to, to, to go places. <laughs> so I'm finally going to do it this year. Hopefully, if things work out. I'm what is to, where, by the way, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm supposed to fly into Paris uh, in June and then in London, uh, I'll be speaking at a conference. Uh, so in mid-June. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if I go to, because I, I want to take like a week and a half after that. Like, do I go to, I'm really fascinated by Germany, um, but maybe Italy. I don't know. So I'm just going to stay in that kind of general region and try to do as much as I can in two and a half weeks. So I'll be thoroughly, yeah. thoroughly exhausted when I get home, but I'm pumped. But yeah, I would love to hear just about any experiences you've had in Syria. The experiences that I mentioned uh, in, my, in our restaurant, one where it, the environment just felt like everyone was home and everyone was family. Extrapolate that to a whole city. There, there it is. I think it's that. I think it's, um, it's this feeling of, of um, first and foremost, psychological safety, honestly, like a place where you go and everyone, and even if it's just a guy working at the corner store or the man that's pushing the push cart that's making Manaish sandwiches at one in the morning that you can buy for 25 cents, or the guy at the the shawarma stand that's standing there smoking his cigarette and you see his like nasty feet and like the gross street food that just tastes ungodly delicious. Yeah. Any one of those people can, you can just relate to them as if they're extended family. That's been really wonderful to have experienced. And going to the local pool during the day, seeing everybody you know, going home for lunch to clean up and then going back to that local pool because by the time you get back in the evening, it's called the Safir. By the time you get back in the evening, they've decorated the surrounds, surroundings of the pool with tables and chairs and hookahs and live music. And then you see who else is out there. And then you walk through the crowd and say hi to everybody. And it, it's like this immersive 
um, it's an immersion into a home that's outside your home. That, that those were my fondest memories. That sounds amazing. I lived in Mexico for a year mm. and I got to experience just a different way of life. I have such fond memories of us closing. So I, I lived in a, a pretty uh, poor area. It was an ajido or a ranch. Ranch is what they called it. Um, but it was a bunch of like adobe homes all in one community. And I would wash my clothes outside. And, you know, I I lived like the real life um, there. Uh, and my one, some of my favorite memories were us closing down the roads and bands playing like in the middle of this community and dancing until the early hours of the morning. And just that sense of, uh, you know, it didn't matter that I wasn't from there. I was part of it. I was part of the family. I was accepted. And um, I I haven't seen anything quite like that nice. here in the United States, to be quite frank. And don't get me wrong. I love my home. I don't want to, you know, cause any uh, uproar here. I love my home. But there's just something beautiful about what I experienced there. Yeah. And that's a that's a sense of home that stays with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. that's beautiful. So kind of wrapping it up, uh, two things. One, are you a famous DJ and I just don't know it and I should be making <laughs> yes. a bigger deal about your time as a DJ? Not at all. No, no, okay. ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, that's not, that's not the case. Um, maybe amongst my friends. Sure. Okay. Okay. But you know, for now we're, we're chilling. Okay. Okay. I'm like, am I, should I be making a bigger deal about this DJ thing? Then, and I'm going to look back on this podcast and be like, damn, what the? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you will be looking back on this podcast as something that's, that's uh, you know, a moment in history. That's, that's definitely part of the plan, but I don't yeah, know if it'll yeah. be for DJing. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, last question. If you could have dinner with any two people that are alive, who would they be and why? Oh, that's so great. I think, um, Carl Sagan would be one for sure for the inspiration that I continue to receive from him. Um, anytime I think about the stars, uh, and then two, I, I think it might actually be my grandpa because he passed away when I was one, my mom's dad. And my mom is just continuously, just constantly telling me stories about him or more so recently in, in recent days, she's telling me more stories about him. Um, and how he and my grandma were, uncharacteristically um, generous and humanitarian, just, I mean, like in early, early days of Syria, not saying people were generous, but that he was just overly just kind and loved adventure and would always want to go drive around Turkey. And I, I don't know, just a lot of qualities that my mom sees in me. She says that he had a lot of them. So I'd love to talk to my grandpa. I think that'd be really special. Yeah, those, does are, the ad. those are wonderful, wonderful choices. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you and talking to you. And uh, now, I, you know, when, you know, when uh, you come to this level of infamy that we talked about, I can say I knew you back when. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Miranda. I appreciate this very, very much. Wonderful Friday. Uh, still morning for me and definitely morning for you. Yeah. Perfect morning. Friday morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.